So I did a few trainings in the process of, you know, becoming again acquainted with uh, cybersecurity. I wasn't very satisfied. I thought that this is the way cybersecurity upskilling should be delivered. Uh, so I, I coded the platform. I created the first virtual environments uh, in the platform. I designed the logo. I did everything because it was a one-man show in the beginning. It took me two, two and a half months to uh, actually release uh, the first version of the platform. And uh, the only thing I did was uh, to post uh, a link of the website into a Facebook group related to cybersecurity to check it out. And uh, since then, it started uh, skyrocketing. I've never, I've never spent a single dollar in, uh, you know, paid ads or any form of marketing or advertisement. Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant, and my mission is to help the world's top CEOs and entrepreneurs shift from incremental to exponential progress and create a huge positive impact on our world. Now, that requires you to reinvent yourself and transform your business. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Harris, welcome to the show. You founded Hack the Box in 2017, and I know it's because you were dissatisfied with traditional training options for cybersecurity. And you set out to change this through what you call out-the-box thinking, offering hands-on, fun, practical training. And I know you've scaled now um, four years later, four or five years later, 290 employees. You've got the world's biggest cybersecurity community with 1.7 million members. You just closed your Series B funding round. So you're being very successful and you're making a positive impact as you go. I want to start with a question which was um, buried in that little intro out-of-the-box thinking. I hear it, I see it in, you know, in previous conversations we've had, out-of-the-box out of thinking is big for you. It's even in the name, right, hack the box. It's some notion of, of getting out of the box. Um, but for many people, it's a buzzword. So tell me now, what do you mean when you think of out-of-the-box out thinking? It's, uh, first of all, thank you very much for uh, having me. You're welcome. Uh, to answer your question, uh, it's... Uh, Finding clever ways to tackle a problem, thinking unconventionally sometimes, finding a solution where everyone tells you that, uh, you know, there isn't any. And this is precisely uh, what uh, ethical hiding is. When a system is designed, it's not designed to be bypassed. Security system is not designed to be bypassed. So it's designed to be secure. And with out of the box thinking, you find very creative ways on bypassing the security measures. So this is what actually defines uh, a fighter mindset and an out-of-the-box thing. I don't know if it was clear. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. So ethical hacking, you're saying, yeah, somebody's, you've got an IT system, it's been designed in a certain way. If you're going to test that and push it to its limits, you have to come up with creative ways to get in. Exactly. Yeah, and so you're saying this is the way to address challenges which might seem impossible. So, which is great. I love that mindset, right? It's what I stand for. It's what the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast is in the name, right? What are we going to do differently to multiply impact and not just add value? Mm -hmm. um, but let's dive into that. So how do you do that, right? Because a lot of people go, wow, that'd be amazing to think out of the box. 
but where would I start? Because it's easy to say, oh, you just got to be creative. Yeah. So if you have a business challenge, perhaps not outside of the world of hacking, if you, you know, in your business, as you have a, a challenge, what, do, what questions do you start to ask yourself that get you to think out of the box? I usually phase out. So I phase out of the problem, away as, and I'm trying to find the, um, the goal. And I start reverse engineering from the goal towards achieving it, disregarding the actual problem. Okay, so you're saying you, you zoom out to look at the bigger goal. Exactly. I zoom as far out as I can. I see the issue, okay, but I'm focusing on the goal. I'm finding creative ways, okay, again, creative buzzword, uh, to tackle uh, the problem and uh, achieve my goal. Hmm. It's interesting. I think it was, um, I think it was Eisenhower, General Eisenhower, who said that whenever he had a problem he couldn't solve, he could never solve it by making the problem smaller he would solve it by making the problem bigger. Yeah, that makes some sense, indeed. Looking at the bigger picture, right? Looking at that. Looking at the bigger picture. Of course. So also on this topic, I know we've jumped straight in here with this idea of out-of-the-box thinking, but it's in the name, right? So it's a good place to start. Um, in your journey of, of management, can you think of an example of where you've had to, where you have done something quite out-of-the-box? So not so much in terms of the actual technical side of the ethical hacking, but in terms of how you built the business, was there a moment when you had to really think out of the box? There are several. Uh, most, of the, most of the ones that come to mind are uh, technical though. For example, our uh, decision uh, not uh, to utilize a cloud provider, rather uh, create our own private cloud. I mean, the easy solution and you know, the, the standard in the industry is okay, you go with one of the major cloud providers. Okay, so let's dive into that. So, yeah, so why didn't you do that? So what was the moment when you went, hang on, before we do that, before we sign up to Amazon or whoever it is, let's try this. Uh, in the beginning, it was primarily uh, a cash flow issue. We started with no funding. We started bootstrapped. The entire investment, in fact, the box uh, was uh, 2,000 euros. That was it. Wow. And uh, the back thing with... Uh, those cloud providers is that if you are not funded with a seed or whatever, you don't also get the free credits that they provide. So with the cloud, we had a, the company made no profits in the beginning because it was purely free, purely community. We had to find a very cash efficient way to deliver our content, which is resource heavy because we simulate uh, virtual environments. Uh, and uh, we came up with uh, a very custom solution utilizing some uh, uh, hypervisor um, uh, brand uh, with a lot of customization and uh, a middleware, which is like a, let's say, DevOps tool uh, developed by us in order to deliver the simulated environments with a fraction of the cost uh, and also with, I don't know, at least, uh, at least 20 times faster than any cloud provider. Hmm. In the beginning, it was, the funny thing is that in the beginning, it was purely cost. Then we got funded, funded. Cost wasn't that uh, important. But then it was efficiency because we've created it so fast that it was much faster than any cloud provider. So we kept it. On the later stages, uh, which we are now, uh, this has a tremendous uh, impact on our gross margins. So again, it, it provided value, different value along the way, but keeps providing value. This decision that we made back then in 2017. 
Yeah, the necessity is the mother of invention, right? So you started off with something and then you build it from there. Exactly. Let's let, let's go jump back to the bigger picture here. Um, why did you find? Why did you found the business? I know you had a couple of co-founders and, and you and you created the business in 2017. What was the conviction that underpinned that? You know, what what was it that made you go on this long, complicated journey of entrepreneurship? First of all, I didn't, uh, you know wake up a morning and said, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to create a business. It, it, it happened very gradually, my transition into the role. Initially, it was about, uh, I don't like the training that is out there. Training could be a lot better with the current technology that we have now could be a lot better than it is. So I will create it. So this is cybersecurity training, right? Cybersecurity, yes. Okay, in your in a previous corporate role, I guess that you were doing, you were taking these courses. I was to to take you a bit further back. Uh, as a kid, I was an ethical fighter. Uh, when I became of age to work, there was no profession related to that. Cybersecurity was not important at all. Uh, so I followed a career in IT for uh, a lot of years, and. Uh, at the latest uh, stages of my previous career in IT, I saw that cybersecurity was becoming more and more critical. Uh, and since this is what I loved since I was a kid, I decided to pivot back. In my effort to pivot back to cybersecurity, I wanted to you know, refresh my skills. Uh, but the, as I found out as a kid, the best way uh, to learn cybersecurity and to develop this out-of-the-box thinking is to experiment, is to be in front of a system and try to actually bypass its security measures. So instead of doing this multiple choice questions or whatever you were doing in the corporate setup, you wanted to create something that was much more interactive by the sound of it. Exactly. So I did a few trainings in the process of, you know, becoming again acquainted with uh, cybersecurity. I wasn't very satisfied. I thought that this is the way cybersecurity upskilling should be delivered. Uh, so I, I coded the platform. I created the first virtual environments uh, in the platform. I designed the logo. I did everything because it was a one-man show in the beginning. It took me two, two and a half months to uh, actually release uh, the first version of the platform. And uh, the only thing I did was uh, to post uh, a link of the website into a Facebook group related to cybersecurity, to check it out. And uh, since then, it started uh, skyrocketing. I've never, I've never spent a single dollar in, uh, you know, paid ads or any form of marketing or advertisement. It was one link. Uh, each person joining told it to the next, to the next, to the next. And uh, this had a multiplication effect. Reaching, uh, what was it about that which was so compelling that it forced people to share? It was the, the way it was delivered, apparently, was the way many people wanted it. So many people had the same thought as me. I didn't know that, but it turned out to be true. Beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Like you came up with this one shift and it was so compelling. People just had to tell each other. Yeah. And I'm very happy to say that the, the entire market is now shifting towards that. Yeah, amazing. So let's let's go. So I love this fact that your your mission did start in your youth, and then you kind of let it to one side, and then it came back, and you were able to close that chapter or, or close that loop in your life story. 
And I know that you've, you've said that your, ult, your ultimate impact in the world might be to change people's perception of the word hacker. Why does that matter, do you think? Why, why, is, why is that important? It is important because I've met, uh, especially now through Hack the Box, I've met thousands of hackers. And by default, hackers are ethical. Okay, the, the ones uh, damaging systems or spreading uh, ransomware or whatever, they are, they are called cyber criminals. They are not called uh, hackers. But you always see a news frontline, hackers did that, hackers did that. So it's cyber criminals that did that. This is my thesis, at least, because I've met many hackers in my life and uh, they all share a very strong code of ethics. Mm. Yeah. And related to that, I mean, cybersecurity, I know you've mentioned that you think that we're losing the cyber war. You, you, meant, you've, you said that in, in elsewhere uh, with catastrophic consequences. So, so tell me, like, what leads you to that perspective? I mean, is this just a marketing line so that you can get more people to sign up? Or like, what's, what's going on there for you? What do you see that others don't see yet? There is some truth in it, a lot of truth, actually. Uh, the problem is that we are in... We are investing a lot in cybersecurity, all organizations do, but they are investing more in software and tools rather than the humans. And the humans are in the center of cybersecurity. The core of cybersecurity is the human element. Software comes on top and amplifies the effectiveness of the human, but software by itself won't do much. If you want to, you know, win a race, you don't just buy a Ferrari. You have to invest in the time to actually learn how to drive. A Ferrari before you buy it. So the software is the Ferrari, uh, but you still need the operator, the driver, which is the human. That's why I believe we should invest more in the human element. We should teach them how bad actors think and act. And this is, this is also critical. Even if you pass all of the trainings, the most expensive trainings in the world regarding cybersecurity, what you actually, uh, need to know is all the clever and uh, creative ways the criminals will use to enter your uh, organization. It's like if you have uh, your house, okay, and you want to protect it from thieves, you will go to this security firm, they will put cameras, superb doors with complex locks and everything, and then a thief will come, he, will, he or she will see a small window in the basement and they will enter through that and you have the most secure uh, place in the world. So you need to think uh, with creative and clever ways right. on how to bypass the security measures. And if you think like that, as you uh, set up a system, as you code, as you do anything related to your daily tasks, the moment you see one of those, let's say, clever, creative ways to bypass your security system, you will automatically uh, fix it. Yeah. And so when you say we, people are losing the cyber war uh, or risk of losing the cyber war, why is that? Is, are you saying just because the scale is like the, the growth in the people is not matching the growth in the threat? You know, what, how do you see that? There is a huge uh, gap in uh, demand for jobs of cybersecurity professionals versus the actual professionals that are available in the market with a lot of asterisks to that because I believe there are many professionals in the market that just don't fit the criteria of the HR managers to actually pass them on to an interview. Right. Why? Because they haven't got the right certifications? Or the right education. Right. Uh, again, HRs need to be creative as well. 
uh, on uh, hiring cybersecurity skill because there is a huge talent gap. We know that. Uh, but there are a lot of professionals without any degree uh, that are uh, extremely skilled at that. Mm. And we've we've seen that firsthand. I mean, in fact, the box, uh, as you understand, we tap into our community to hire people. In this community, we have uh, biologists, we have uh, uh, professional drivers. I mean, the, the list goes on. They can be anything, but they can also be very good at cybersecurity because they have developed this out-of-the-box thinking. And so if you were speaking, as you are now, on this podcast, you're speaking to a bunch of CEOs, right? There's other people, obviously, who listen to the podcast, but there are a bunch of CEOs who listen. So what would you recommend to them? What would you want to say to them if you were literally on a conference stage and you had all these people in the audience? What's your message for them? You know, how can they win the cybersecurity war? What can they do? Everything hiring completely. Practical skills assessment and soft skills take from HR. Forget degrees, forget everything. And invest a lot more uh, in the human element. That's the core tool to tackle the cybersecurity problem. Right, so don't, don't feel, don't get a sense of security by just on the software budget that you're spending alone. Is what you're exactly, exactly. I'm not saying don't spend on software, obviously spend on software, but make sure that you have the, co- the right operators uh, before you invest in software. I like, I like it. Harris, um, you mentioned that cyber awareness you think should start even in primary school, which is an interesting point of view. Yes. Why is that? Why do school children need to know about cybersecurity? Everyone needs to understand the cybersecurity from a very early age, so it's, uh, it's part of our daily lives. We are now more and more connected with everything. Criminals and uh, con arts and scammers are everywhere. We should be aware from a very early age what to trust and what not to trust, so we avoid uh, a lot of cyber incidents in the future. It's not the, you know, the 80s or the 90s where, uh, you know, some people had a mobile phone, some people didn't, or some people had the Nokia 3220 or whatever. Now it's, uh, we are online. The majority uh, of our lives uh, is digital. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying, yeah, before people get a phone almost, they should be. They should understand. Yeah. They should understand all the dangers that come with the internet. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to introduce you to two transformative programs that we run. The first is Rivendell, my exclusive group of top CEOs who are committed to transforming themselves, their businesses and the world. It's an incredible peer group and a deep coaching experience that will push you to new heights no matter how successful you've already been. The second is Impact Accelerator, a coaching program for executives who are ready to make a big leap forward in their own leadership. It's regularly described as life-changing and no other program provides such personal strategic clarity, a measurable shift in stakeholder perceptions and a world-class leadership development environment. Find out about both of these programs at xquadrant.com slash services. Now back to the conversation. So I think this is interesting because I know you talked about, you know, we talked about a bit about impact. Uh, and I always see impact as multiple levels. Um, you know, you talked about 
changing the perception of what a hacker is, right? Obviously, you've got an impact to grow your own business, to multiply the impact that can make in the world. I want to put it to you, one of your possible futures involves being the person who changes cyber education. Might not be for this year, in the middle of scaling up, but... I can see that that's a passion. You started very young in that whole world of ethical hacking. You want people to understand the difference between hacker and cyber criminal. Uh, And you understand that as the world gets more complicated and even more digitalized, uh, it's basic awareness like road safety, you know, cyber safety is going to be even even more important. So... Cyber security might be as important as physical security is, is really what you're saying. More um, important. I would more say awareness. more important. More awareness, even at a young age. So I'll just put on that seed. Perhaps that's part of your future that because you have this, the credibility, the relationships, the understanding, building a very successful uh, business in this area. And you might just want to be thinking, you know, as a, as a North Star... Well, what impact might I make in raising up a new generation of, of people who, who take this seriously? How does that, I'm just curious, how does that land with you? I'm just throwing things into your future that you haven't asked me for, but I'm, I'm curious as to how that lands, whether that resonates or whether that's not where you're all about. It does resonate, although I, I find it very hard to digest uh, so it, that long that I had in time. So if you've asked me three years ago, if you, if you outlined what I would be doing today, three years ago, I would say most likely he's exaggerating. Uh, so, uh, the same applies now. Maybe, maybe that's the case. I haven't had the time to actually, you know, think this through or to digest it. Uh, obviously, I hope for the best. I want to impact this industry because I believe that uh, I can impact it for the better. And my goal is to get there eventually. Mm. Well, famous phrase is we always overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in five, right? So for me, this is more of a seed. I just like to kind of plant these seeds. It might happen. It might not happen. It might be not be the way you want to go in life. But sometimes just having that what if in the back of our mind can create little shifts. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Now, this, um, this season is called Business is a Force for Good. So I'm kind of wondering how you see that, um, how you see business, because uh, obviously I'm sure you're making good money with your business and, and there's obviously that's great to make financial rewards from all this. And then you have this, this impact that you're trying to make as well at the same time. How, how do you see that ethical dimension of business? I believe that, uh, at least I won't speak for everyone, but uh, for me, I don't believe I would grow a a successful business uh, if my uh, ultimate goal was uh, money. I consider uh, money as a byproduct of doing something very well. And to do it very well, you have to actually devote the time and effort and uh, fall in love with what you do in order to uh, excel. So obviously, uh, based on our conversation, also you understand that uh, I, I practically tried and 
partial succeeded on uh, shifting the training uh, industry on the cybersecurity uh, towards what I believed was better. And uh, yes, we've grown and we've made a lot of revenue through that process, but uh, the, the main goal remains to actually make a safer cyber world for the generations to come. Yeah, thank you. I feel it when you say that. I, I hear it. I hear the conviction in your voice. Let me just jump back. Before we kind of wrap up, I, I want to ask you a bit of a tactical question, which is about your growth you've experienced. Four years ago, you were four employees, which I think about three were founders, perhaps. Um, yeah, plus one. And now you're 190. So that's a huge growth in... We're actually above 200 now. Okay. <laughs> There we go. Between so when just... we gave you the data and now we've hired a few people. There we go. Excellent. So you're now over 200 people. So that's like a, whatever it is, 50x uh, growth in four years. And I know you said you're, you perhaps even scaled too fast and that created challenges. So looking back, you know, what were those challenges and what advice would you give other leaders who are in that high growth scale-up phase? The biggest challenge is... Constantly changing uh, the way you manage the company because uh, the practices you used when you were 30 stop working when you are 60 or 80. Then again, when you're a 100 and you have certain uh, uh, procedures to run the business, you become 150, those begin to fade away. You constantly need to adapt and change the way you work. Uh, if you employ the, you know, the motor, the mindset that uh, if it works, leave it alone, don't touch it, uh, you lose this game. You need to constantly find the better, more efficient ways to operate the business. And uh, another thing I found out is that uh, because we, we scale too fast and we hire too fast is that uh, hiring doesn't resolve the problem always. It sometimes amplifies the problem. First, you have to resolve a problematic department or a problematic procedure or strategy or management style and then hire. Because hiring people towards resolving the issue, we just multiply the issue. That's really fascinating. And it's a great point. I've heard other clients say this as well, right? Sometimes, you know, if you scale something unhealthy, you just create even more dysfunction. Exactly. So, yeah, what are the kind of signs that hiring is not going to be the solution, would you say? Actually, the sign is when uh, when you think I need to hire more people because you know the job is not getting done. Mm. Usually, you have to you know dive really into this department and uh, start to understand the way they work, uh, any issues they are facing. Uh, maybe there are bottlenecks from other departments. So, if let's assume department uh, X uh, delays department Y. Uh, and you hire more people in department Y thinking that they don't deliver, uh, you will amplify the problem because they will just need more resources from the other department, which they will not have. So it's always, at least it's proven always wise for our case to dive into any malfunction that we, we witness in the company, understand it, try to resolve it the best we can. And uh, after that, decide about uh, hiring right yeah it makes a lot of sense um what's a big what's a mistake that you've made like you know what's one area where you say oh that that was a you know i made i did made the wrong decision there or i wasn't the leader i could have been in that situation and that kind of 
integrated issues for us? I think the the mistake goes very, very early on before uh, raising capital. If I did this again, I would raise capital on day one. I would not wait to bootstrap it one and a half year. This time was in one and a half year, if I had uh, the capital that I had on my seed round, I would go five times faster. And I witnessed this firsthand when I actually got the seed investment that was able to hire the people I wanted. So uh, raise money faster would be my yeah, one thing I, I should have done. And what was the mindset shift you think that you have now? Like, why did you change that mindset? Or what was holding you back? Perhaps to, to... to even know that was an option. It wasn't a, a part of mindset. It was part of me not uh, knowing the startup industry, the startup ecosystem. Mm. I didn't know financing could be, uh, you know, a venture capital firm. I thought the only way to finance something that you don't have the capital for, you have to get a loan from a bank. Got it. Well, again, back to education, not so much in cyber education, but in exactly. financial education, right? Again, it's another big issue. That was purely financial education. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great point. Uh, so... Let's look at the future. You want to make Hack the Box the one-stop point of reference for everyone in cybersecurity. You want to multiply the impact that you're already making in this, in this industry. What's that going to take? What's going to have to be different in, in the business for you to fulfill that, that ambition? We, we are already in the process of materializing that. The goal is to broaden uh, the user personas that we attract. Currently, as Hack the Box, we are known for uh, the hardcore ethical hackers, red teamers, penetration testers. Uh, we are gradually expanding to capture also the blue teamers, the shock analysts, uh, the security engineers. And uh, we also want to uh, embrace general IT stuff on the basics of cybersecurity. So as an organization, you have a single pane of glass, a single dashboard that shows the entirety of your skill set in the organization. And this would be mapped with, you know, the relevant frameworks that you use to report to your board. So with one snapshot, you know exactly what is going on on a skill level on your organization, and you are able to fill the skills that are missing, either by directing your employee base to the relevant uh, modules, or by finding uh, new employees, if you need, through Hack the Box platform by tapping into the community and uh, posting your job ads. Mm. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, you're really expanding the, the kinds of people that you're serving. Exactly. We need, for this to work, we need to capture the entire uh, spectrum of cybersecurity. Mm. And as you grow that business, um, so what will need to change in your business for you to do that? Minor things. Uh, it's mostly assisting, uh, assist, uh, adding uh, relevant content and fine-tuning the platforms to be able to uh, deliver that content with uh, all the um, features uh, it will require. It's, an, it's not a massive change. It's not something pivotal to the business. I would say it's, uh, you know, it's natural progression. It's natural progression. And this is the path that we are on right now. Got it. Yeah, so right in the middle of that journey of scaling by the sound. Exactly. Allowed, rather than adding disruptive new elements. Yeah. And so for you as a leader, what will it take for you to multiply your impact? 
right? Because we always have our own ceiling that we are trying to break through that will take us to another level. And I'm wondering what, what thought you've given to that. You know, what what way might you want to work on your own your own leadership for you to be able to lead this company at, at a higher level? I'm uh, um, I'm trying several things. Okay, I try to get myself in very uncomfortable positions. So I, this is the number one. Whatever uh, seems uncomfortable, I try on forcing myself to do it. So I learn from it, and uh, I'm obviously constantly learning for uh, looking for uh, coaching lessons, even English lessons. Which okay, I'm not very bad at English, but. Uh, I, I, I could I, I wouldn't say I have the best accent out there uh, as you can probably see. So I'm I'm always trying to develop myself both with the help of experts, but also by putting myself to uh, positions where I I have to develop or uh, lose. Yeah, it's called the um, it's called the inciting event, right? It's like in movies, it's where the hero gets disrupted in some way, you know. Um, you know, it's where, whatever, Gandalf knocks on your door and gives you the, the ring of power or whatever, you know, or, or uh, whatever happens in, you know, in Star Wars, whatever, that gets Luke out of his, you know, his thing and into a journey. It's this thing. So I think that's a great point. When we actually forcibly put ourselves into an uncomfortable situation, then we are forced to, to rise to the deliver. occasion. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, I think, which is probably a great place to end, right? I think... Um, yeah, Harry, I've really enjoyed our discussion today. I think we've really focused on on a whole number of areas. We have looked at this idea of out-of-the-box thinking and zooming out to really think about what are creative ways we can address that. You know, we've looked at that, the underlying driver for who, you know, for you founding the business. It actually started off back when you were a teenager and just kind of lay there dormant until the right situation came exactly. to bear. And I see that all the time, you know, my mission now to help the world's top leaders, um, make a, you know, transform their companies and make a systemic change for good in the world. That comes from my own journey, which I've talked about in the past of having a mentally handicapped sister. And we had very different journeys. I had all this high flying career and she stayed at home needing 24 hour care. These stories come back to shape who we are. That's true. And set us on our own path. And I think for any leader, it's really worth mining. What's the stories in my past that are meaningful to me now and that set me on fire? And then I think looking at, you know, well, the the future of, you know, the importance of cybersecurity awareness, um, the the dangers of scaling too fast, you know, how we could work on that. We've really covered a lot of ground. So I want to just thank you for, for all of that. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me as well. Yeah, you're welcome. And I look forward to kind of seeing the next stage as you kind of become the, the go-to resource for perhaps the whole IT industry in this area and beyond, right? Uh, perhaps you'll have a module for, for, for primary school children in the next few years. Who knows? <laughs> so, uh, Harris, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. And I look forward to following your journey. Thank you. So, Harris, thanks so much. Before we go, where can people find out about, more about you and about the business? Uh, on our website, it's the number one place, hackthebox.com. And for me, it's LinkedIn. Perfect. Great. Well, again, thanks so much, Harris. It's been a great pleasure and uh, look forward to following your journey in the future. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Well, that's a wrap. If you received value from this conversation, please do leave us a review. 
on your favorite podcast platform. We'd deeply appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out the show notes from this episode, head to xquadrant.com slash podcast, where you'll find all the details. Now, finally, when you're in top leadership, who supports and challenges you at a deep level to help you multiply your impact? Discover more about the different ways we can support you at xquadrant.com.